because of the time, I'm going to jump right into the, into the word. I would like for you to stand with me, if you would, please. Yesterday, I was doing the eulogy, and my, my um, iPad went kind of crazy. Couldn't find the, the connection, and so I'm here trying to find the <laughs> find my, my, little, my message, my notes, and so I had to have Derek bring my phone up. And so I was able to use my, little, my phone on yesterday for the eulogy. Got a chance to hang out with some people all day. Brother Val was here all day, Sister Chuck. Here and then down there. <clears throat> Did you all eat at both places? <laughs> but it, was, it was good. It was good. Today, Lord, we are thankful to you for this, this day, and we appreciate this wonderful time of the year. And while it may not be December 25th you were born on the exact day, it's the fact that you eclipse every king and every other authority. You rule mightily, and we thank you that you came to be born for a people that didn't even know you, weren't even seeking you, because you loved us. And we thank you today, and we honor you for your wonderful grace and your mercy and glory. And we pray today that you will give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. We love you and give all praise to your matchless and glorious name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn in your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 7. I don't have it on the board today, so for those who are normally used to seeing the scripture on the board, I did not put it up there today. So you will have to either listen or follow along with me in your Bible. The reading, your version may be just a little bit different. I'll be reading from the, the ESV, the English Standard Version. And again, Sister Nancy, would you please tell your sister, thank you for the wonderful arrangement. Aren't these flowers beautiful? It's again, Sister Nancy, Sister Sausalito, who, uh, Sherry, who has come, and um, as we did some upgrades into the church, she's been updating the flowers. And so the other one's been taken out for a while, and they'll come back. And these are here right now for the season. So thank you. Have a thank you for, for that. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 7 you would turn to Isaiah right before the book of Jeremiah and right after the Song of Solomon. Chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 10 through 16. I was going to read all of it, but I think I'm going to just read 10 through 16. And this is how it reads out of the ESV. Beginning in verse 10. Again, the Lord said to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. And bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For for before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. As a title for this message, 
I have given the sign of Christ revealed in Isaiah. The sign of Christ revealed in Isaiah. The great birth event and the most unusual in all of history is the birth of Jesus Christ. There has never been a birth like his, nor will there ever be again. Jesus, the Messiah. Since the beginning of time to the present and in the future, there have been many imitators. Many people who thought that their kingdom would reign forever. But it is only the kingdom of God that will reign and does reign forever and has eclipsed every other kingdom on earth. Isaiah, who prophesied some 700 years before Christ, had his most incredible vision of God in chapter 6 of Isaiah when he saw the Lord God high and lifted up when Isaiah died. In chapter 7, we find Isaiah going to the king Ahaz as has been directed by the Lord. When the Lord appeared to him in chapter 6, it is the Lord who told Isaiah, God who was high and lifted up between the cherubim, who said, who's going to go for us? And it was Isaiah says, hey, hey, here am I, Lord, send me. I am willing to go. And it was the angel of the Lord who took the tongs and took a coal from the altar and touched his lips. Because Isaiah said, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. And when that coal touched his lips, the angel said, your sin has been removed. You are now clean became a prophet of the Lord, and his message really was one of judgment against Israel and Judah. In chapter 7, Ahaz, the grandson of Uzziah, some say Uzziah, 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 is the king and has been threatened by Razin of Syria and also by Pekah, the king of Israel. At this time, the king the kingdom of Israel has been divided. The ten tribes have gone to Jeroboam, and the two tribes, I believe, have remained with Rehoboam, Solomon's son. So there's the division. You have the twelve tribes, two of them, Judah and Benjamin, are with the line of David, and the others are with the, are the children of Israel. So when you look at Israel, let me say it this way. We have Israel, who was actually one nation, but because of sin and rebellion, there was a division. And when we consider Israel and Judah, there were two separate captivities. One for Israel by Assyria, and then one for Judah by Babylon. But Assyria has always been a threat to Israel, always been a threat to the people of God. And when Isaiah begins to deal with and confront the people and the king, I was fascinated as I was reading this that sometimes in prophecy we simply think and go to the prophecy about becoming Messiah as if it was given in a wonderful time, but it really was given during a time of sin and rebellion and when the people had forsaken God. Ahaz had been threatened by his brother, what we say the brother, meaning the other tribes, represented by Pekah, the son of Remaliah. And he had formed an alliance with 
Syria, Rezin. And they were coming against him. And the Lord told Isaiah, I want you to go to the upper aqueduct. I want you to go meet Ahaz, you and your son. I want you to go speak to him. Tell him to be very careful. You'll find that in the first nine verses of chapter 7 of Isaiah. But where we picked up, we picked up at verse 10 where Isaiah said, now God is going to deliver you from them. I don't want you to be afraid, Ahaz. Don't fear. Because Isaiah said that they were trembling and shaking like the leaves, like the wind blows. He and the people says, don't fear. God says, don't fear. Fear will cause you sometimes to do some very, very strange things. Fear will cause you to say some things that you otherwise wouldn't say and make promises you otherwise wouldn't do. Like, God, if you get me out of this, I'll never leave the temple of God. I'll stay here all the days of my life. Two hours later, Lord, I think it's about time to go. We sometimes make promises and say things because of fear. And and so the Lord says, be very careful. The Bible also talks about not making rash and foolish promises to God. But there have been occasions when the Lord has said, go ahead and test me and ask me and prove me. Point number one. I want to draw your attention to, but it is refusing to ask for a sign as a matter of pretense. Refusing to ask for a sign as a matter of pretense. That would be Isaiah verses 7, 10 through verse 12. Now, I'm going to just briefly look at the book of Deuteronomy and the verse that I just mentioned to you. I'm going to read it and tie this in to this first point. And it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. Now, Ahaz quotes the first part of this verse in verse number 10 where it says, Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Excuse me. Ask a sign. It's going to be verse 12. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol. In other words, Isaiah, uh, um, Ahaz, you can ask for anything, even, even if it's to the depth of the earth, to the height of heaven. Try me. Ask me. And see if there's anything too hard. Based on what your fear is and see if I'm not going to be with you. If you are fearful and you're scared, I don't want you to be. I'm going to prove it. Now ask for a sign to let, for me to show you that I'm going to carry it out. And this is what he says. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. You see, Ahaz was pretending. Ahaz had already decided in his heart, I'm going to make an alliance with Assyria. I'm going to make an alliance with them because I'm scared. And, 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 I, and, and as a preacher, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to put you to the test. I don't want to do that. I'm just, huh. It's because he had already decided to put his trust in his future enemy, or actually his current enemy. 
We've got to be very careful who we make alliances with. There are times where, where we try to pacify people and pacify individuals, and they mean you no good. They are bent on destroying you. And yet there are times when people, and we as people, want the friendship of those who are our enemies at the expense of doing what God says we are to do. We've got to be very careful. It was the Lord, in fact, and get this, who told him, go ahead and ask Ahaz. God offered him to ask for a sign, but in pretense, he refused. It was, in fact, Ahaz's refusal to ask for a sign that in this case was an indication of where his heart really was. Do you know that there's sometimes people who speak from the lips, but you know their heart is in a completely different place? Oh, I'm, I'm with you. And they're back in their heart saying, yeah, that's what they think. Like, I'm with you. I, I ain't going to really tell them what I'm feeling. Oh, you know, you're just so wonderful. I can't stand that person. Just bugs me. Oh, you're so sweet here to come around the corner. Oh, how you doing? We were just talking about you. Yeah, talking about how bad you are. That's how we can be as people. Our lips say things, but our hearts can sometimes be in a very different place. We should be genuine, not only in what we say, but our heart should be genuine as well. Thank God that we've got a loving church. And that people that are on the outside can sense and know. Those people seem to love each other. Doesn't mean we don't have spats and little squabbles. But the idea that we get it right. Ahaz was pretending because his heart was scared and it was already aligning with Assyria. And and the interesting thing is that the, the Lord first tells him, don't fear. Don't you know at times, do you not know that the Lord has to come and quiet our spirit in order for us to hear what it is that he's saying? Ahaz and the people, they were scared of the threat of being invaded. And the Lord had to tell them, they're not getting in here. Raising any, he's not getting in here. Because they're not, they're not going to be able to wage war against you. Don't fear. So for Ahaz to decline, to decline God's request was not an act of spiritual maturity, but it was an act of unbelief and a refusal to trust God and to put his trust in him. There are some times where we can act so spiritual, oh, God, no, I wouldn't test you. And the Lord said, go ahead and prove me. And we're trying to act as if we are really so faithful. No, no, no. Go ahead and trust, test God. I want to tell you this. It was Hezekiah who said, when the Lord told him, you're going to die, go get your house in order. That's what I mentioned yesterday, one of the things. It was Hezekiah who had been threatened also by the king, another king of Assyria, or the king of Assyria. And the Lord had, around that time before, had said, Put your house in order, you're going to die. And what, and what Hezekiah did, he turned his face to the Lord and said, God, I don't want to die. And he began to weep bitterly. And the Bible says before Isaiah got between, when he was still in the middle of the courtyard, that would be between the palace and the temple, the Lord says, go back and tell Hezekiah I'm adding 15 years to his life. 
I've heard his prayer. And then as a sign, the Lord says now, well, Hezekiah says, well, what would the sign be? I said, you choose. What do you want it to be? That the shadow goes back 10 paces or ahead 10 paces on the steps of Ahaz. What's the sign you want? He said, well, if it goes forward, that's not too hard. Make the shadow go back. And the Lord calls the dial to go back 10 steps. Here's an indication where Hezekiah believed God and said, what's the sign? You see, because they didn't have the forward of God. What God would do with his miracles, it was to seal the faith of those people that didn't have other evidences of how God's word was going to be revealed or done. And so the Lord would often provide a miracle to show them. Today we have the full canon of scripture so that we have God's word so we don't have to keep looking for miracles in order to trust and believe that God is going to do what he says. So we trust God's word because we have the scriptures. But God in these times would show them who he was and then he would back at us and ask for a sign. At times he would do it, but, but his heart was not right. Now, Jumping to point number two, and that is this, a, a sign given despite the refusal to ask. A sign given. Now, when we look at the next verse, we will note back in Isaiah that something interesting happens. It is Ahaz who refuses to ask for a sign, and it is Isaiah who then gets upset with him, and he says, then, hear this. O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, but that you weary my God also? Therefore, in verse 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Get this. The Lord gives a sign for the future to Ahaz that what? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And she'll call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Turning your Bibles to the book of Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament. Wasn't planning to go there, but came to my mind, so I'm going there now. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And this is what it says. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Look at 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That passage right there is taken back from the book of Isaiah. God with us. Now, I, I want you to note something. When we consider the fact that God wants to be with his people, that in and of itself is a tremendous gift that one really cannot comprehend. That God wants to be with the people that really didn't want to be with him. And here he is telling Ahaz, I'm going to give you a sign that the Messiah God is going to be with you. Future 700 years later, Christ is born. And it came at a time, and it was given through unbelief. Ahaz didn't trust God. 
And in fact, when you further read in the passages, you're going to find that he, in fact, made an alliance with Assyria because he was scared. So Isaiah, he shows his frustration with Ahaz because he refused to trust God in that a sign was going to be given. And the sign was given anyway. Do you not know that God does not deny himself? God is going to be God whether you think so or not. He's going to accomplish exactly what he said he's going to do. And there are many people that somehow feel and think that God does not have the ability to do and carry out what he says. So the sign was given to him about the birth of Jesus. It is interesting that he gives it in refutation to Ahaz. I'm going to give you a sign then. Since you won't take it, I'm going to give you the most difficult one. A virgin, a child, a person, a young lady of marrying age is going to have a child. Who ever heard of a virgin having a child? So if you won't ask a question that's so difficult, let me give you one that's going to blow your mind. You see, God is in the habit of blowing your mind. Try me, test me. Do you not know that God gets a kick out of blessing you and showing you who he is? Oh, God, only do what, what my mind can understand. No, God, don't just do that. He does what your mind can't understand. He has no limits. And so he constantly wanted to show you who he is. And you were just marveling. Look at, oh, God, you did this. Oh, Lord. Throughout all eternity, we were going, oh, my God, holy is the king, worthy to be praised. Why? Because God has no limits. No limits. Even the sign that was given to the king didn't change his mind to put his trust in God. If God has never been, uh, if he's always been faithful and has never blown it, why wouldn't people put their trust in him? You've got a perfect God, one who has never failed, and yet we'll put our trust in people. They'll make a promise and can't necessarily carry it out. They don't know what's going to happen down the road. I promise, be careful promising because you may not be able to carry it out. Just say, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. I'm constantly saying, oh, I forgot. I'm supposed to do it. Oh, Lord, did I say that? Really? I didn't say that. (laughs) And yet we put our trust in man who may have good intentions at times, but God, who has never failed. I was approached by some, not approached, I was coming um, about a week and a half ago now, almost two weeks. Had to go visit a person. And as I'm coming through the parking lot, a couple of young men said, Hey, Pastor, how you doing? Say, hey, how you doing? We're going we're gonna, we're gonna to be there soon. <laughs> and as I got in my car to leave, as I talked to him for a little bit, I got in my car. I started pondering that as I was on my way to the church. And I thought, now, now that's a very interesting comment. And I've seen them here at times before and promises are made. But one thing that, caught, that, that the Lord helped me to think about, and I'm thinking now, when they say that, when are they making preparation to do it? When they say, I'm going to be there, what steps are being taken to actually follow through? 
I, I see sometimes when a person sees someone that is a believer, they feel somehow that they've got to begin making promises to that individual as if they're going to really carry it out. And so my next question that I'll see them next, and when I see them, I'm going to say, well, well what, what's the date? What, what, what's the time? We're there every Sunday. Now, what date are you planning to be there so I can look for you? Now, I've done that before. I said, oh, I, ain't go, I can't make no promises. Well, you told me you're going to be there, so when are you planning to be? But that, when I see them two next time and they say that, I'm going to ask them. In fact, I'm going to go back and remind them. You remember when you saw me two weeks ago? You told me you were going to be coming to church. Did, do you have a date in mind? Do you need to be picked up? I'll drive my van that day just to come and get you. Promises, promises. God is a promise and covenant-keeping God that I spoke about not long ago during the renewal of the vow ceremonies of Sister Michelle and Brother Jerry. When they renewed their vow, we talked about God, the suzerain, the suzerainty treaty. That was an agreement that was between unequals. God does what he says. And it doesn't make a difference when the time frame happens. God's promise comes to fruition even after Ahaz dies. Now, let me just close in just a moment here. I want you to look at verse number 16. The Bible says, for before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. This now is the play on kind of words. In verse 16, the boy refers to Isaiah's son, but it ultimately then is fulfilled in Christ being born. And so the Lord gives this, and it says even within within 65 years this is going to be done. In fact, it happened within just a few years. But, but, but when we see this, the Lord has a way of always often playing on words and names. He gives names to people. When Sarah laughed, oh, Sarah, you're going to have a child at the age of 90. Way past menopause. You're going to have a child. And she laughs in the tent. And the Lord says, why did she laugh? I said, I didn't laugh. I didn't lie. I didn't laugh, Lord. I didn't laugh. She was scared. Scared, too. <laughs> scared. She was scared. Let me say this. The Lord says, fine. Name him Isaac. Laughter. <laughs> God has a way of playing with us and, and he said, fine, you want to laugh? Go ahead. Name the boy laughter. It's still going to happen. <laughs> God carries out his word. And so the, the revelation that Christ was going to come on the scene comes at a time and given to Ahaz when he refused to ask for a sign. And God says, fine, I'm going to do it then. I'm going to give you a sign. You see, God does things all the time. He's given signs. People are just not noticing and observing the signs. The moment you step out of bed, you should be saying, thank God I can put my feet on the floor. I can get to the bathroom. I can get downstairs if you got downstairs. You can get to the kitchen. Whatever you do, God is the one who allows you to be able to do it. You ought to be out the door raising your hand. Thank God I can go down to my car. Got a car to drive to work. I can get to various places. And people say, God hasn't done enough for me. God's done everything. Allowed you to be born. You should be saying, thank God I'm born and have the ability and the privilege of being able to spend eternity with him. 
He gives that. And the birth of Christ allows you to have fellowship and to be born again through his son so that you could never and never have to be separated again. Because of what God has done, the fact that he makes the promise. So why, in fact, would you want to go make an alliance with Assyria who's bent on your destruction? Be careful. Be careful to trust God, for he is a holy and awesome God. This season, as we look at Christmas, what does Christmas really mean for you? (laughs) Christ would be born as a promise made by God. The great and mighty king would be born. In fact, God himself, Emmanuel, God with us. God. Ahaz never changed his heart. But what about you? Have you fully accepted what he has done? The fact that he sent his son? Not so that we can just give gifts to one another during Christmas. That's wonderful. But the gifts are because of what he's done. The fact that gifts were brought to him. And we celebrate his birth. So at this season, what, what are you really celebrating this year? Are you celebrating the fact that you've got a Savior that's come to say, you can be with me? 700 years before, prophecy given and fulfilled. God doesn't have a problem with forgetting. He doesn't loan you $20 and forget. He gave you $20. Every time you see the person, only you see on their forehead is that $20 bill. You see their face, you see money. They ain't paid me back yet. Walking down the street, back here, I see money. <laughs> uh, with God, when he sees us, when we see him, we should see the precious gift. The fact that Christ came to die for us. Came to be born came to die, the precious gift, the most precious. So during this Christmas season, let's not forget why we celebrate Christmas. Because of Christ, we must celebrate him. Please stand to your feet. If you've never made your commitment to him, it's easy to do. Say, God, forgive me of my sins. I, I accept you as my Savior. Because you know you need a Savior because of sin. And that's why Christ came. To be born for us. To be born to die for us. Not because of what he's done. Not because of any sin that he's done. But to make us right again with him. So during this season as we celebrate him. Remember it's all about him. So when you might be saying I didn't get the thing I want for Christmas. Remember it's about him. So go buy yourself a gift and say, thank you, Lord, for this gift you just gave me. (laughs) Bless, Lord, as we leave this place today. Be honored and glorified. We give you glory. Amen. We'll see you next week. God bless you.